know, so even in your darkness, you're doing all of this stuff, but God's going to come in, and He's going to bring a great light. And surprisingly, it's going to be through a baby that's born in the line of David, who was their king. So this great hope is going to be this single human being that's born into this world that's going to come and bring a light. And then he talks about all sorts of things. He's like, he uses wonderful imagery. He goes, it's going to be like harvest uh, or f- like a farmer av- after a harvest. We have farmers in WA and we know some of them. This has been a bad year for a lot of them. But when there's a good year, they, you know, November, December, January, sometime in that period, they can be harvesting day and night, 24-7, for weeks and weeks uh, to bring in the harvest. They have teams that do 12-hour shifts at a time. Uh, and they, you know, they're either sleeping or working. There's no rest. But when all of their harvest has been brought in and it's sitting in a barn, what do you think the farmer feels? Delight, relief. Oh, it's good. It's over. But it's, it's good. Well, he says, a soldier who's able to take his boots. Now, think about the boots of war, the muddiness, and the, what happens to leather. It gets hard. And these horribly heavy, uh, leathery boots that can be thrown into the fire, as well as these garments drenched in blood. Isaiah is picturing, you know, it's been tough. It's been war. Your, your garments are drenched in blood. You've, you've gone to sleep at night and woken up with uh, someone next to you who's dead and their blood has come onto you or you've been fighting day in and day out and your garments are dressed. In, you, but what if the war's over and you can take off those garments and take off those boots and you can throw them in the fire because you will never need them again? And then he says, and then you can go home with the spoils of war. So you go home. All of the hard stuff is over. Burnt and then fire, and you go home with the spoils of war, a brighter future for you. How do you think that soldier feels? Similar to the farmer. What a relief that it's over. <sighs> and so Isaiah says, that's what it's going to be like. So it doesn't matter how bad it gets, because the goodness is going to outshine the badness. And that's amazing. And then he describes this, this baby, and, and with the first word, he, he, uh, first name that he gives this child is Wonderful Counselor. His name will be Wonderful Counselor. Not that he'll be known as a Wonderful Counselor. His name will be Wonderful Counselor. And we're going to look at that a little bit today, and I want to tell you a story in, in, in just a little bit. But first of all, let me tell you uh, about counselors. I get to refer people to counselors quite often, because people come to their pastors and they say, who can I go speak to about these things? Um, and, you know, when you think about who you would refer someone to, you think about who, who do you know that's had a good effect on the, on the other people we've referred to them? Yeah. Who's doing better today because they spoke to them? Not who's doing worse. Those who are doing worse, you know, the counselor hardly ever gets a referral. I've got for myself a list of people I'm happy to refer, and a list of people I will never refer to again. Uh, it's not a judgment on them, it's just their practice hasn't proved helpful. Um, a good counselor is supposed to challenge people. At the same time, a lot of counseling today is person-centered, which means it's all about you, and you hold the truth. Which it's very difficult to challenge someone and let them be the bearer, the holder of truth sometimes. Anyway, 
Jesus is called Wonderful Counselor. And counsel can only be good if it leaves us in a better place than it found us. If counsel leaves us worse off, that's not good counsel. If you go to a financial planner and they tell you to do something and you take their counsel and you're worse off financially a year or two down the road, that wasn't good counsel. If you go to a doctor who helps you medically and they tell you to do some things that leave you more injured, hurting and broken, you wouldn't go back because they don't have good medical counsel for you. You know that in in counseling, uh, I've recently studied it, so I think the stats are fairly accurate. The efficacy of any modality, so the tools that a counselor may use, sits at around 30-something percent, the best ones. The best ones. That means that people are saying, I went and saw a counselor, and 30-something percent of the time, it was helpful. If you had a headache and took Panadol, and 30% of the time it took your headache away, how confident would you feel about Panadol? Not so much, I think. I'm, not trying to be, I'm just trying to say the modalities aren't the answer. But then there's this other stat, that if there's a connection with your counselor, a human bond, the efficacy rate goes to something like 70%, regardless of the modality. It doesn't matter what tool they're using, because you've connected with them, suddenly the counsel is very effective. It tells us something about the nature of counseling. It's not so much the methods as much as the person giving it. In other words, if they're a good counselor, they can almost use any method. If it's a good method, it really doesn't, uh, it's, it's really not going to be effective regardless of who uses it. It's almost uh, agnostic to the user. Over here, if you have a great counselor and you connect with them, they're going to have a positive effect in your life. So when Isaiah calls Jesus wonderful counselor, to me, as someone who refers people to counselors, I get very excited. Because Isaiah is saying, hey, this one has a reputation of always doing good. And if I knew of a counselor that I could refer people to, that regardless of the issue, he always does them good. Not only would I refer to them first when asked, but I would come to every single one of you in King's Cross and say, hey, I know you might not know if you need it or not, but why don't you just book in a session with this counselor I know. They are a wonderful counselor and they'll do you better than you can ask or imagine. And even if you don't think you need it, just trust me. The word wonderful here is missed in English. I mean, we have the word wonderful, but in the Bible, the word doesn't, it's not like wonderful, like dinner was wonderful. I, my, well, that movie was wonderful. I went and hung out with my friends and I had a wonderful time. Describes pleasant, good. The word wonderful in the Bible describes miraculous, supernatural. This counselor doesn't just have like pleasant advice. This counselor is supernatural, miraculous. His words are able to breathe life. And this is the counselor that's coming. So let me tell you a story. I want you to imagine there came a day 
that uh, I went to seek counsel. And I stood before two counselors. One of them was strong and mighty. His presence was big. His eyes were impossible to read. He had small ears and a loud voice. He had confidence in everything he said and a real interest in me finding out what I wanted. The other counselor in the room stood there. He seemed a bit mild and meek, but his eyes were warm. His voice was neither soft nor loud, but gentle and strong. His ears were large, and he didn't say too much initially. I came before them both with all of my problems laid before me, and I cried out for help. The first one stepped in, spoke first, and he addressed the past. And he said to me, it's unfair what has been done to you. You've had an unfair hand dealt to you. You've had it tough. You have been wronged. You have suffered injustice. You should have been better loved, better cared for. Who else is there that can take better care of yourself than you? The other counsellor stood silent. The first one then uh, stepped forward again and spoke in a way that felt strong and confident, but maybe also rude, and began to tell, tell me about how no one understands my suffering like I do, how no one would be able to help me more than I could help myself. He began to reassure me that truth, my truth, the truth, was in me. And that he was going to help me find my truth. That he was going to help me search for my truth. Because ultimately, I can only stand on my truth. That no one else's truth is valid, because how would they know me? How would they know my experiences? How would they know my pains? How would they know my sufferings? That I needed to learn to be the best me that I wanted to be. That I needed to have a narrative that I wanted to tell. That it was my story, my life. And therefore I had to decide the player that I wanted to be and the roles that anyone else could have in my story. The second counsellor remained quiet. Then I began to think about the future. Where will this lead me? What will this look like? What am I to do? And this intelligent, strong presence, hard to read, 
began to say to me, well, what future do you want? What do you want your future to look like? Who's standing in your way? Put them aside. Who is an obstacle to what you want? Who doesn't understand you? Who doesn't get you? Who's challenged you? Get them out your way. Who are those who support your truth? Who are those who will aid your narrative? Bring them in. But always be a little bit cynical about how long they will support you. Because in the end, only you can truly support yourself. And then they said, Remember this. You only need you. If you choose to believe in a God, rely on a God, choose a God... Just remember that that God is only good to you as long as He supports your narrative. As long as He helps you get to where you're going. And if He doesn't, then He's no good. For the first time, the other counselor spoke up. And in a gentle but strong voice said, Be silent. And then he said to me, let me show you something. And I closed my eyes and he held my hands and he took me to the beginning. Not the beginning of the day, not the beginning of the week or the counseling session, but to the beginning of time, to the beginning of creation. Maybe you can close your eyes and imagine it with me. And there, just as Genesis says there was, there was a beautiful garden. There was a man and a woman arrayed in glory, finding so much joy in each other. Every day looked like a dream. Their happiness I longed for. They seemed to be dressed in purity and goodness. There was no scar, no sorrow, no sadness. <coughs> and then this counselor showed me what happened next. And the first counselor walked into the garden and he said pretty much what he said to me, to them. What's your truth? What do you want? What's your narrative? And he wrestled with them as they shared what they were allowed to do and not allowed to do. And he convinced them, surely, surely if God was good, he would give you all you wanted, all you desired. Surely God is jealous. Surely God is controlling. Surely God is withholding. And if something seems good to you, surely you should take it. Tell your story. Live on your truth. And I saw that they believed him. And they took his counsel. 
And a, a look came over their faces. These faces that were shone in glory and beauty. These faces that were radiant with joy. Instantly became sad and heavy. And for the first time they felt what there were no words for. But we know today as shame and guilt. And they carried it. And then this gentle but strong second counselor continued to hold my hands and he took me through history. And he showed me over time. He showed me how these brothers stood jealous of each other and he brought them counsel. And how this this first counselor convinced the brother that if you are uh, if, you, if you want to stand above your brother, if you want to go ahead of your brother, don't let him get in your way. And one brother picked up a knife and ended the life of the other brother. And creation experienced its first murder. And he took me through time. And over and over and over, I saw this first counselor in, enter the story lie and deceive and tell half-truths and convince people to get what they want, what they desire, what they long for, the way that they want and the way that they desire it and the way that they long for it. And I saw marriages break down. I saw families break down. I saw nations break down. I saw individuals break down. I saw hopes and dreams break down. I saw races turn against each other. I saw old and young turn against each other. I saw all sorts of forms of superiority and inferiority form. Language divides, geographic divides, economic divides, educational divides. People began to divide every which way they could as each one of them uh, believed the lies and tried to tell the narrative that they wanted to tell. I opened my eyes and said to the second counselor, this is terrible. What hope do we have? What what are we supposed to do with our pains and our suffering and our longings and our desires? Where are we supposed to find hope? How do we find a way out of this darkness? He said to me again, let me show you something. And I closed my eyes and he held my hands and he took me back to the beginning. But this time he took me back before the beginning. There was nothing. No waters, no plants, no people, no animals, no creation. Just him. And gently but strong he said, where were you? when I spoke all things into being. Where were you? Where with my intentions and in love created all things out of nothing. 
What do you know about the intricacies of the universe? How much can you explain? As he showed me these things and asked me these questions, I realized I didn't know too much. Then he began to show me through history where he had been. And just as the first counselor had been moving through history, terrorizing, causing breakdowns, turning brother against brother, children against mother, nations in division, causing death and sin to abound. He showed me himself. He showed me big things, like how he caused the sun to rise and the sun to set. How he caused the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. How he was there at the birth of the baby, and there to comfort people as they passed into death. And then he showed me specific things. How he was there quietly. How he was there gently but strongly, comforting those who mourn. Healing the brokenhearted giving peace, bringing hope, giving rest. And then he showed me something that is hard to describe. He said, let me show you where I come from. And he showed me how He was in what can only be described as heaven, arrayed in glory, his face impossible to to look at, shining so radiant and bright. You could hear what sounded like all creation worshipping him and must have been the angels singing their songs. He was like no other. And then he showed me how he entered creation as a baby. How he condescended his glory to come and, uh, in the form of humanity and the vulnerability of a child. How the creator of all things, who was robed in righteousness and glory, came vulnerable and needy. Needed to be fed by his mum and changed. Needed to be taught as he grew up. Needing to learn to walk and to speak, showed me how he grew up and became aware of his mission to redeem and restore humanity, how he was rejected by his brothers, how his town was embarrassed by him. But I continue to see as he grew up how his words, his counsel, brought life and light. How he opened blind eyes. How he opened deaf ears. How he loosened 
tongues, how he multiplied food for the hungry, how he brought comfort to the woman with the issue of blood, how he gave her dignity. How everywhere he went, he condemned the proud, but he helped the humble. Truly, he was a good counselor. And he showed me the cross. And there he hung, beaten and broken. And before the cross were all of my sins, all of my narratives, all of my desires and longings, my discontentment, my want for more, my jealousies, my anger, my lusts, and yours too. They were there before him on the cross, and for each one of them he was beaten and broken. And his blood poured down, and it covered my sins and yours too. Each and every one of them began to be washed in the well of his blood. And as his blood poured over them, they disappeared as if they were never there. My disobedience, my jealousy, my anger, my prejudices my impatience, my unforgiveness, my self-centeredness, my humanisticness, my own will, my own ways, got washed by His blood. And as He washed my sins by His blood, I heard Him cry out to the Father, Forgive them. Sins were no more. And once the sins were no more, I saw him turn his head up to heaven and pass away. He died. He died and was buried. I could barely let him show me any more. My heart was heavy but glad. I was shaking in fear and awe. I had realized I was far worse off than I had come for counsel for, and I had far less hope in myself than I thought if I had. But he showed me more. He showed me how he was raised to life. How the Spirit breathed life into his dead body. He was raised forevermore. And how he was seated at the right hand of God the Father. And given a name above all names. Radiant in glory yet still in his human form. And with scars still on his body. Not because he couldn't be healed. But as signs of his love for the broken and hurting. Like tattoos to mark a memory, a person, a hope, these scars of love poured out for sinners' wounds. 
that he would bear for eternity because his love has no end. And he told me to open my eyes, and I opened them, and he spoke. All who are weary, come to me. All who hunger and thirst for righteousness, come to me. He didn't say it, but I knew he wasn't going to take away the suffering and the pain. And yet, somehow I knew that he was going to use it to shape me and help me. The first counselor opened his mouth to speak. But on my knees, body shaking, voice quivering, with my hand in the other counselor's hand, I opened my mouth with courage and said, be gone. You lying, manipulative, deceiving, wicked counselor. You murderer. You hater of people. You diminisher of God's love. You blind the hearts of man. You deafen the ears to his love. You put them in bondage of shame and guilt. And you tie them forever with lies of a story that cannot be told. Be gone. And I turn to the wonderful counselor. Help my heart. Help my mind. Help my life. Help me to know your truths, to know your ways. Lead me in ways that are righteous. Help me to stand on the solid rock of your wisdom. Help me not to be led astray by what's popular, what's in. Help me not to try and be my own God. Help me not to try and heal my wounds in my own way. But help me to fall at your feet. And as I did this, he showed me one more thing. It was the future. I saw myself... And I saw you, and I saw him, and we were dancing and singing in freedom and joy, and there was no suffering, no sorrow, no unforgiveness, no anger, 
no prejudice, no jealousy, no discontentment, no lust, no impatience. We were surrounded by the graces of God. We, was, we were standing and breathing in the air of generosity and kindness, of self-giving. We danced and we sung, but we didn't get tired and we didn't sweat. And every single time we had finished a line, there was something else about him that we saw that we wanted to sing about again. And I saw that our song could go on and on and on. And that maybe we would only stop our singing and our dancing to feast with him at his table. And I thought it would be hard to eat politely because it would be impossible to have a mouthful of food and not sing his praises. It would be impossible to close your mouth while eating and not burst out with laughter and joy. It would be impossible to just sit and feast because of the pure adrenaline of, of joy and delight and pleasure in his presence coursing through our veins like an adrenaline we, we have never known before. The only time I could imagine us being still is to fall down at his feet to declare wonderful counselor. You have brought us hope. You have rescued us. You have redeemed us by your blood. And you will one day restore us to a place with you where there will be no sorrow, no weeping, no suffering, no sadness. You were the wonderful counselor and you will be the wonderful counselor. But I pray today we accept you, Jesus Christ, as the wonderful counselor. Make our pride hearts repent of not receiving your wisdom, your direction, your love, your counsel. Jesus, where we've stood in our hearts with fingers pointed outwards at all the problems away from us, forgetting what you did on the cross for us. Wonderful counselor, humble us. Help us to hear your words, to receive your truth. Help the gospel to be the best method of counsel the world has ever seen as we believe it and take it to heart and live it. Help us, Father God, in our pain and our suffering to receive your wonderful counselor every day. That as we walk through this life, sometimes in darkness, sometimes in mystery, but never without the light in our hearts. May the world see a church, a city on a hill, a 
place where they might come and find the wonderful counselor, the way to peace, the way to hope, the way back to God. Glorify you, Jesus. Thank you for coming. You are the wonderful, wonderful, wonderful counselor. Amen.